I'm Kristen Ludlow from NBA Inside Stuff, and you're listening to the Double Clutch Podcast. In terms of Serge, uh, we're happy to have a player of this caliber. Uh, kind of looked for this kind of player for a while. I think he gives our team a good boost. Ibaka, he blows past the defender and scoops it in. And the foul on Lopez. Power surge, David, right down the lane. He can bring us some good momentum and see where it takes us. Hello and welcome back to the Double Clutch Podcast. I'm one of your usual hosts, Mike Miller. And tonight I'm joined again by one of your other usual hosts, Joe Holbert. Hi there, Mike. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, I'm good. Good. Sad. I'm sad that it's the All Star break though. A whole week without proper basketball. <laughs> yep. Well, we've covered the All Star break in the last two pods, so I think people are probably sick of hearing about it. We will touch on it briefly, but we're going to be uh, mainly covering what's been going on in the Eastern Conference uh, in the past few days. I'm glad we didn't pod on Monday as we originally planned because everything seemed to to change yesterday, so that would have been outdated pretty quickly. Um, but just before we start, we'd probably like to give a, a shout out to our founder, Matt Wellington, who's recovering from what sounds like the worst burst appendix in, in history. Um, thoughts with you, hope you're getting better quickly. And then a, a shout out to Jamie, who's, who's stepped up to the plate, uh, our good friend Jamie, who is going to be basically editing the pods down for us in Matt's absence, so we can keep bringing them to you. Um, but let's get on with the show, and uh, we're going to start straight away with the biggest news in the East, uh, Serge Ibaka has been traded to the Toronto Raptors. Um, I know that you wanted to touch on the Raptors anyway, so this is a, a great opportunity. What does this mean to the franchise? Well, their their defence has been terrible this year, to put it bluntly. Um, they've had no interior... I like Valanciunas as a post guy. He can't defend. And Patrick Patterson, they use him on the perimeter, so they've basically had nothing in the middle because... DeRozan isn't a great defender either. Neither is Terrence Ross. So I think this is a fantastic picker because what it does, he can play center, and they still and they don't and they won't lose any offensive prowess because if they play Baby Naguera, who's a really good rim protector and rebounder, he offers nothing offensively. Whereas Ibaka, I think he's a 38% three-point shooter, so that opens things up, and you can put DeRozan at the three, and you can do all sorts but Damari Carroll at the four it's a great pick and Masai Ujiri just makes these moves year on year wherever he is what what a general manager he is <laughs> yeah he, he's quite impressive I'm I'm glad they've made the move they I mean all season we've looked at their weakness and it has been the four spot and what they've got out in a, in a backer is a versatile guy like you say he can play big uh, as a four or he can he can switch to the five if they want to spread the floor. I think actually him and Patrick Patterson on the four is going to be a really interesting combo because to me he's like an upgrade on Patterson, albeit that Ibaka's not the Serge Ibaka we, you know, certainly over the last two seasons, he's not the Serge Ibaka we came to, to know and appreciate. I still think he's got a significant amount left in the tank to help this team. Yeah, I think one of the problems he had in Orlando was he wanted to be part of the offence and I think Orlando almost had to make him too big of a part of the offense because he was their big marquee pickup this summer, and they were, you know, they were using him in post ups and stuff. He doesn't want to do that. He wants to stand on the three point line and and get open shots. And, and I think this is a good fit for him. I'm, I've been critical of Dwayne Casey in the past, but he's coached a good offense since he took over there a couple of years ago. Their third in offensive efficiency, and I think. I think Ibaka's going to help. He's gonna, I don't know if he's going to help them offensively, but I think he's going to improve their defense without subtracting offense, if that makes sense. So, yeah, 
So they certainly needed that. I mean, they've lost 10 of the last 14 and slid from a what looked like a, a pretty secure two seed to the five seed. So they, they needed something to, to change. Yeah, it's. I, I predicted a drop-off. It happened a lot uh, slower than I expected. But obviously now they could, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if they clawed their way up to a two seed. But they needed to make a move. And Masai Ujiri, is, in his whole career as a GM, he's never been scared to get it done. You know, I think a lot of coaches, sorry, a lot of GMs, they kind of overvalue their assets. They hold on to them too tightly. But Terence Ross, you know, it's not a... He, For me, he's way too hot or cold Terence Ross and I think I I think Masai is very clever because supposedly they had they had a deal done with Chicago for Taj Gibson who's slightly worse than Ibaka and Masai went to he went to Orlando and said yeah we got this deal if you don't hurry up and accept this we're going to go so go elsewhere so it's it's like really it's like house of cards with Masai Ujiri <laughs> he's manipulated his way and that's what the best general managers do yeah no I'd agree with that how do you how do you think it works for the Magic do you think it's an improvement for them as well or have they lost out here I think I think the, the sense I saw about it back was fair he's the wrong guy at the wrong time he's a great player uh, he's going to go to Toronto and probably be a borderline all-star but he was he was obstructing Aaron Gordon's development he's Aaron Gordon can't shoot well enough to be a three so he can yeah. move to the four full time I think they need someone like Ross who just comes in and plays like just shoots because they've got so many they don't have any shooters outside of Evan Fournier uh, I think it gives Frank Vogel a bit of freedom to be creative because they've they're still jammed at front court but I think getting rid of Ibaka and look they, they he would have walked for nothing in the summer because he wasn't going to go back there. So they've got something. I totally agree. Uh, at the start of the season, I said, I can't see him re-signing. I don't see what the long-term deal is. I, I questioned the deal when they, they picked him up from OKC. I didn't understand what they were doing. Just created a huge logjam in the front court, then picked up Biombo as well. Um, you're right, he gets Aaron Gordon back to the four. He seems to have, have disappeared from I mean, after the after his sort of coming out party at the dunk contest last year, he was he was quite a, a popular name, and and now he, this season he's just quietened again. We're not seeing the dunks because he's not getting the opportunities he was getting last year. Totally agree with Ross being a, a just a wing gunslinger. Uh, you're right, he's not great. He's hot and cold, but they they need other options outside. Um, and what's scary is, despite the fact they're fifteenth in the conference, they're only five games back on the eighth seed. So <laughs> it's it's telling you how much of a, a sort of cluster there is there for that final playoff spot. And I think that I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs, but they're not as bad as we make them out to be, if that makes sense. No, I'm with you. And one thing they got, they got a very very good coach. Uh, he's you know one of the top eight or ten coaches in the league. He he's consistently wins with regardless of what talent he's given I think he made the playoffs every year in Indiana even when he lost David West Roy Hibbert and other players so he's a good coach but I I still don't think they have enough I think they're too streaky now I yeah they that's the thing on their on their I mean they put up 122 I think it was on Miami on Monday Miami's a top 5 deep, but then the next game they'll put up like 70 against a bad defence so they're, they're hot and cold but if they get hot for the rest of the season they might sneak in because it, it seems to be at both at both conferences no one wants the 8th seed 
Like everyone no. goes on a run, <laughs> then they go on a losing run. It's it's kind of it makes it it makes it more enjoyable. Yeah, I think the other key to remember is that um, the, the Magic have got a first round pick out of this, and albeit a pick that's going to be around the twenty five mark, it's it's something that as a developing squad could be quite useful to them. Um, but I think I think the the move for the Raptors is a, a sign that they're sort of not going all in but they're they're trying they're like this is our opportunity we need to do this now they get a rental on on a backer before he you know they have to commit to him in the summer when he hits free agency um but it gives them a, a good opportunity to see whether they whether this is the you know what they need to push them over the edge and, and take out cleveland do, does it shift the eastern conference landscape for you at all um i think it does actually i think Put it this way, if you're going to beat Cleveland, you have to have an interior defense and you have to, I think you've got to speed the game up. I think if you're going to play a slow game against Cleveland, you're going to lose because LeBron doesn't lose slow games. So I think Ibaka coming in, yeah, it gives them that advantage. I'm not saying they're going to go and do it, but I think they're now, there was a question two weeks ago as to whether they were the second best team in this conference. Whereas now, for me, they're nailed on the second best team in this conference. Well, that was my next sort of question. That's that's brilliant. Yeah, I was going to say, what, what does that do to the top four? But if you're putting them firmly at two, that answers that. Um, in terms of beating the Cavs, I think this year, the way things are developing, this could be you know the best year to do it. You've got LeBron, who's been moaning about depth most of the year. He's been moaning about the minutes he's playing. Now Kevin Love's gone out for six weeks to, for his need to have arthroscopic surgery on it um so when he comes back he might be on a hobbled knee or he you know he's been out of the rotation anyway for six weeks there'll be an adjustment period um jr smith is not going to be has, hasn't been around for a while he's not back for a while yet so i think there there might be some you know there's a lack of continuity in the way cleveland will be playing uh and i think this might be the, the prime opportunity for the raps to to take him out no, I'm completely with you. If you're not doing it now, you're not doing it ever with this core, I don't think. Obviously, barring, you know, horrific injuries for the Cavs or something. But the, I've Masai Ujiri is doing the right thing. They, they've got to try and win now. Um, I don't think Serge can be a, a long-term piece. I, I imagine in the summer, I don't think they're going to give him a super long deal. I would guess a three-year contract, something like that, maybe two. Because he, he wants to play on a winning team and he wants to be on a team where he's getting looks. And, but obviously they don't want to cripple their franchise by signing him for like, you know, a monster Andre Drummond style contract. Yeah, agree. I, I don't think at this stage in his career he's he's worth that either. Quite frankly, he's he like I said earlier, he's not the guy that we that we became accustomed to watching in in Oklahoma, and that may be because the way Oklahoma played last year differed from how they'd gone to him previously and he, he tried to rely more on his outside shooting and it may be because of the lack of opportunity in Orlando but based on the past two years I don't think he's worth Drummond money um, although Drummond's not looking like he's worth Drummond money either at the minute um, <laughs> so they've also got this summer is it this year or next year because they're going to have to make a decision about Kyle Lowry as well That's, I think he's uh, under contract through next summer as well so they can they need to be careful with what they offer him so they don't hobble themselves in trying to re-sign Lowry because I, I imagine they're going to throw a lot of money his way, ne in, not this summer, but the next summer. 
I think the thing they've got in their favour, they do have movable assets, and that's one of the. If you ever watch Masai Jiro's interviews, he always preaches that you've got to always have contracts on the roster that are movable. So you look at someone like Damari Carroll; he's probably a tad overpaid, but that is still a movable contract because people need three-point shooting, and they need people who can defend against guards and forwards. You've got Valanciunas. Teams often need a post presence, even in the modern day. People still want one, so. It might it might come to the point where they do have to do a bit of reshuffling, but I think it's clear now that you look at this team and Ibaka is the third most important player on it already. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. Um, it's well and truly trade season because they're obviously that's that's obviously the most recent trade, but it's not the only tra- trade that's happened since we last potted. Uh, it was over the weekend, I think. Uh, Yusef Nurkic uh, for I'm going to say Mason. I almost said Miles then Mason Plumley. Um, with the Blazers and the, and the Nuggets it's not quite as exciting as the the first deal but what's your thoughts on this one um it's interesting because if you look at like rim protection stats Nurkic is a lot worse than Plumley. but I think I think Nurkic has more potential he's still on his rookie contract yeah the Blazers obviously crippled themselves with when they signed Evan Turner this summer so they had to try and you know maneuver a bit but I think he's a good player I think they need one of the things about him, Plumlee's a good player, but I don't think he's like, he's not an aggressive defender, whereas I think Nurkic can be that force inside the paint who stops, who kind of, I don't, he's just a group, people are going to be scared to go up against him in a way. And but I, Yeah, he's more intimidating physically. He is, he is, and I think, I don't want to sound cliche, but I think both teams kind of won this trade in a way because I think Plumlee is... He's the kind of big who can play alongside Jokic. He's he's good. he's decent player, Plumlee. I like him. He's he's kind of a jack of all trades type center. Um, but Nurkic, he's you know he's younger, and I think he fits in more with what Terry Stotts wants to do. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of on the fence uh, with this trade. I I, I don't want to say what I, you know whether, how it's going to turn out just yet. But you're right, Nurkic is is 22. He's in his third year. Uh, Mason was 23 when he was drafted and he's in his fourth year um, to me I, I think Plumlee will be a loss for the Blazers because they already lack passing because there's you know sides from Lillard and, and McCollum no one else really gets the ball and he was actually a great ball mover in that offence um, he averaged four four-ish assists a game and his passing it wasn't spectacular, but it it was it's solid passing, and it'll be. I wonder whether the pairing of him and uh, Jokic in Denver is actually going to give us a, a really interesting passing sort of pair of forwards for, for basically everyone else to just cut off and go crazy off, um, or whether they're not going to work together. I, hopefully, they will. I think this could be one of the most exciting passing big men pairings that we've seen in a while. Yeah, I was chatting to someone about the Nuggets the other day and they remind me a lot of Rick Adelman's Sacramento Kings teams where he had Chris Webber and Vlad Vlade at the big man position. They were both brilliant passers and I, lo- I love what... My- I've always rated Mike Malone. I think he's an outstanding coach and I think he's now got a roster that fits. I think for a couple of years, Denver have been in that position where they've had they've had a lot of good players but they've never quite fitted together. Whereas I think now they're starting to build their identity They've, I love Jamal Murray. I think he was a steal. I still can't believe New Orleans drafted Buddy Heald over him. Um, they've got Hernan Gomez, I think, as well, a wing. They've, they've basically they've 
you can look at their team now and you can think, yeah, that's their starting five for the future. And it fits together. They all offer different things and they can all play in an up-tempo offense, which is why I like this thing. One thing I always actually noticed about Plumley when I watch Portland, he's very good at the handoffs as well. Hmm. I was, yeah. they used, Stotts likes to use a lot of handoff, um, handoff action, so that could be an interesting fit with all the young guards that Denver have. Yeah, I agree. It, sh- it shows Denver's faith in, in Jokic and that this is now his franchise that they're they're willing to part ways with Nurkic so quickly. It also makes it a lot easier for us that we don't have to remember which one's which. Cause <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm not sure whether that Denver will keep Plumlee this summer. I think I don't know what the market will be like for him because he's not the greatest uh, rebounder at all. Um, and it's just, I, I don't know what it's going to be like. I think he hits restricted free agency this summer, so it'll be interesting to see what everyone else offers. And they're in the fortunate position where if they, they don't decide to keep him, they've still got Kenneth Fareed, who could, who's actually, when he's playing, is playing all right at the minute. So I, I, I think they're in a, in a positive position with it all. Well, he, he's obviously, he's going to have to prove himself. You know, Malone is a guy who makes his players work for their minutes. Um, but they gave up a first, didn't they, for him? Uh, yes, they gave up... Memphis is first so I mean they must they must rate him enough to think you know we're going to give up a first for this guy although in fairness they don't need any more young players so maybe yeah that's they, what I think it is I maybe think, they I think, just wanted to offload that pick yeah so they they, um, they receive a second round pick in cash and and Plumlee and the Blazers get uh, Nurkic and a first rounder uh, I don't think they they need another pick <laughs> from what they've got they, they've got that young core they can continue to grow that I'm not sure you know Memphis are what going to be a sixth seed maybe so you're looking at 24-ish 23-24 around there so it's not I don't even think in that draft that's going to be that important but you know we do see people drop down there who tend to be steals um, but yeah if, if they decide to keep him it'll be interesting I'm, re- I'm really keen to see what he looks like in this offence and whether the, their passing complements each other because it'll be it could be a very exciting time in the Mahai City um, but that's that trade there was another trade as well uh, a few days ago which was Spencer Hawes and Roy Hibbert for the other Plumley, Mason Miles. One of the other miles. See, I said I'd do this wrong at the start because <laughs> um, there's another one as well, isn't there? Uh, yeah, it's floating around in the D League, Marshall. Yeah, yeah, Marshall. Okay, so yeah, for Miles Plumley, uh, and that was between the, the Charlotte Hornets and the Milwaukee Bucks. What are the Hornets doing? <laughs> well, they brought Hibbert in to be that imposing physical force, and I don't know why they thought he would be because he's not been that for four years now. So when when the Pacers were a conference final team, he was very very good. But he's not there anymore. And Spencer Hawes, he's, I I like him as a role player. He's a good stretch centre, but he's he's a turnstile on defence. And I feel a bit sorry for Steve Clifford because I think he's one of the best coaches in the league. I'd put him in my top five. And I think he's he's been given a roster of sort of pretty mediocre players. And I think Plumlee. I think Plumlee can bring something. I mean, his best season was in Phoenix when they went, when they nearly made the playoffs that year. And it, he, he was good in the up-tempo offense as the pick-and-roll guy. And Charlotte, to be fair, do try and run that offense, whereas Milwaukee slow it down a bit. But oh, I'm not sure. It's, it's just kind of such a... It's a trade that you just think, meh, you know, there's not really... It's not very exciting. And um, it's not something that's going to really propel Charlotte into the playoffs. 
No, I'd agree with that. It's um, I think I think Miles is going to get a lot more opportunity in Charlotte with clearing out two centres who or two bigs that were they were averaging sort of twenty minutes a game, uh, whereas he was only averaging sort of fifteen, sixteen in Milwaukee. But I I I get the feeling that Milwaukee have won this deal on the basis that Hibbert can walk this summer. They don't need him. They just they've managed to shed what isn't a great contract. I think it's about is it about six mil. Uh, yeah, it's around it's, that. So it's it's uh, they've managed to shed money without tying themselves up long term to a couple of guys who are sort of approaching twenty eight and thirty, um, who probably won't be part of their long term plans anyway. So I think it's I think it's a shrewd move by um, by the Bucks, but the Hornets in general, they were so hot at the start of this season, and now they've sort of disappeared. I think it's clear in hindsight that Clifford was making a lot of these players look a lot better than they were. Uh, like Marvin Williams, Marvin Williams is he is a draft bust. You know, he was picked second in the league uh, in the draft, excuse me, by the Hawks back in around two thousand seven or some point. And he's he kind of came to Charlotte. He looked good as a stretch for in his contract year. I think that's the thing. They decided to pay Batum and Williams in the summer, both in their contract years, um, and they've declined a lot. Frank yeah. Kaminsky as well. They drafted him over Master. He's just, he's not developing at all. He's, a, a lot of people weren't hiring him out of college because they just thought he was, he did the he did the bare minimum in college. He had very basic post moves. Didn't really box out much. Three-point shot was streaky and he's not, and they drafted him on potential and he's not showing any potential. And I, I think Jeremy Lin as well was a big loss they've not had the same production out of Ramon Sessions they've just got such a mediocre roster outside of Kemba Walker yeah I think that's a, a fair comment I knew you'd bring up the, the contract year stuff because that's uh, that's something you're very hot on this this idea of players just peaking when, when the money's due uh, yep. it's just ridiculous I, I, I swear we should come up with like a condition for it like contract year syndrome or give me money disorder or something it's <laughs> it's ridiculous uh, you're right about Marvin Williams last year he was if anyone had a fantasy league uh, he was an absolute steal um, he was almost averaging a double-double and he was just killing it and this year he's just disappeared off the face of the earth really Batum looked good last year and, and again has dropped off as well it, what where 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 are these guys headed? What do you think they need to blow it up completely? Um, well, they've got to keep Kemba. That guy's a really good player. Um, unless someone you know, came in with an absolute, you know, with a Brooklyn Nets style offer for uh, for KG and Pierce back in the day. I think they've got to keep Kemba. But but outside of that, yeah, they've got to move Kid Gilchrist. He doesn't. He's a great defender. He's probably top three or four defender, but he doesn't do anything offensively. Kaminsky, let someone else have him. Although if Patrick Ewing can't get anything out of him, I don't know who can, because Ewing's one of the best centers of all time. Cody Zeller as well. I think I think he's a good player, Cody Zeller. I think they've missed him big time. But they're in that they're in that position where their peak is probably a four or five seed. But what's the point in that? Yeah, I know, I know they point. were bad for a while, but I think they, I think they should have spun them. Well, they got a great coach, who I think could match up with the likes of Popovich, Spolstra, you know, the big boys. I think I don't think he'd ever get out coach in a playoff series. So 
Yeah, I think they've got to make more moves to salvage this season. And beyond that, I don't know where this team's going. Do you think they've they've got more moves in them this season? I, I, to me, I, I don't I don't see what else they could or who who they can shift and get something back that improves them. Well, obviously, Kemba. I'm just going to assume for now, Kemba and Zeller are off the table. So you're looking yeah. at their most valuable chip is probably Bellinelli. He's had a, he's had a pretty good year. I've always been a fan of him. He's a good shooter, but if you get rid of him, they're weakening themselves. If that makes sense, because they don't have. Yeah, there are other guards. I'm looking at them now. It's Jeremy Lamb. He's not a shooter. He's kind of a drive-to-the-paint guard. You've got Ray McCallum, who's bounced around the league. Brian Roberts feels like he's been there for years. They they haven't got many assets, and the ones they do have, if they got rid of them, it would weaken the team big time. So, yeah, I don't know what they can do. I, I think their GM's got to go in the summer. I think he's had five or six years in charge of this team, and I, I don't really think they've gone anywhere under him. Yeah, that, that's Rich Cho. Yes, it? it is. Um, so, yeah, I, I can. I, I mean, they've improved slowly, but I don't think they're improving at the rate that you'd expect someone like uh, a Michael Jordan, Jordan as an owner would be happy with. Um, the good news is they've got one, two, three, four, five, six guys coming off the books this summer. The bad news is there's not a lot of money in those six players <laughs> coming off the books. Um, there's probably about three million total, well, a bit, maybe a bit more than that. So there's not a lot of money they can, that they're going to free up this summer anyway. Um, MKG's been a disappointment to me, really. I, I was really high on him a couple of years ago. He's, he was working a lot with Mark Price to, to restructure his shot. Then last year he had the, the shoulder injuries which put him out. But each time he came back early from his shoulder injury and he, he put up some ridiculously good numbers and he was shooting well. Then he got injured again and he's come back this year and it's, it's almost like he's reverted back to three years ago and his, his scoring is just... He's one of the best wing defenders, as you said, in the league. But his offense is just non-existent, and that—that that to me, it's—it's it's not good enough. No, I'm completely with you. I mean, I, obviously you need defense because otherwise, you know, you're just going to end up shedding. You're going to end up like the Pelicans have been for the last few years, where you're just shedding points. But you have to offer something on offense, and that was actually a criticism of Rudy Gobert that he was a fantastic defender, but he offered nothing. But this year, he's developed an offensive game. He's but Kid Gilchrist hasn't, and I don't think it's because of coaching. Because, as I said, Steve Clifford is one of the best coaches out there. And I'm just looking at the Hornets' salaries at the moment. It's quite bleak. So in the year, in the 1920 season, they owe 50, 65 million to Nicola Batum, Michael Kid Gilchrist, Miles Plumley, and Marvin Williams. That's a lot of money in four very not franchise-changing players. Yeah, I totally agree. That's uh, and at that point, when Marvin Williams is already thirty. He's going to be thirty-four. Yeah. Uh, in the well, Batum and Plumley are going to be thirty-two. So, and they don't move the needle enough for me. It's 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 disappointing. They need to definitely shift some of those contracts this summer. I don't see who's going to want to pick up Marvin Williams though, unless he has some kind of resurgence. I think his trade values dropped significantly. Um, but that's obviously the disappointment that is the Charlotte Hornets. And we're going to move over to a, another Eastern Conference team that have had a, a pretty good run recently, the, the Miami Heat. So they've just uh, they've just finished. They've lost two straight now, so they've had a good run. Um, a 14-game win streak, which they ended with a loss to a Joel Embiid-less Philadelphia 76ers. 
what's what's happening in Miami? I know that you're quite close to the team. You follow them quite quite closely. So, what's your take on it? Well, the, they've been playing good defense all year, but the offense exploded in that winning run. I think they were shooting forty two percent for the three. Dragic looked like a an elite point guard. He he looked like he did in that Sun season where they nearly made the playoffs and and Whiteside as well. I'm. Whiteside annoys me to watch because there's some games where he looks like you could say he's the best centre in the league and you wouldn't look like an idiot. But then against Philly, he was non-existent. You know, he was he was just slow. He didn't look like he cared. Now Spolstra is not really a shouty guy. He was getting quite angry. But they put it all together over those 14 games. But I think they're back down to earth now. I mean, this is not a great roster. You've basically got you've got Dragic, you've got Whiteside, and you've got a load of shooters. Yeah, people like Josh Richardson, Wayne Ellington. James Johnson, to be fair, has been really good as well. But I think it just shows what a great coach Eric Spolster is. That he's, he, he's, this team's only a couple of games off the playoffs. And it's just a, it's a roster of people on one-year contracts with team options for a second. Yeah, I, th- I think that Pat Riley's put together a, a scrappy roster that shows that you don't have to overpay to still be able to compete in that sense um, but you're not putting any stock into this uh, Dion Waiters is a legit NBA starting too oh god no 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 <laughs> do you know, knowing Pat Riley and his mentality as both a businessman and a champion do you think he is happy with this with mediocrity and if if because that's a loaded question and if if he's not do you not think that this this win streak is, is hurting them well, well, I do think it is, yeah, I, because this is a strong, strong draft. Uh, he he keeps saying in public that that he's, you know, this is what he wants, but we all know it's not. He Pat Riley's like me, deals in absolutes. I think you should either be rebuilding or t- or uh, contending. I don't think there should be an in the middle. They're not going to contend with this team. The peak is in seven or eight seed, and they get dispatched by the Celtics, you know, the Raptors, the Wizards, Cavs, whoever. Um, I think what he's done this year, I think in the summer he thought, right, role players win championships. I'm going to put together a roster of role players on one-year contracts with a second player option. I think he probably anticipated that about five or six, uh, maybe not that many, three or four of them would become good, and he's going to go after free agents this summer. That's my guess. Um, But obviously a high draft pick would have helped them as well, because then you're adding... Let's say they go for Blake Griffin. I think they've got a good chance of getting him. You have Blake Griffin. You add one of the young guards, you know, Malik Monk, um, Lonzo Ball. And then you've got a core for the next 10, 20 years. And he's a winner, Pat Riley. And he he knows that a, an eighth seed could hurt them long term. Yeah, I, I completely see that. And that's where I was thinking, as you were saying that, I was thinking, well, maybe this is Riley's tactic. If, if he shows that with basically nothing, he can put together a team on the cusp of the playoffs. That could be a draw in addition to the fabulous weather. So free agencies visiting Miami is that actually this guy can build a roster with, from nothing. But, but I, I agree. I, I still stand by my point that I, I think that they they should have bottomed out, basically. They should have just gone for the, for the highest pick possible. Yeah, I would if... I mean, six weeks ago when everyone was talking about it, I would have kept Whiteside because I think... 
I mean, as you, as you know, as a Blazers fan, it's hard to find that permanent centre. And I think he is a franchise centre. I just think he needs a better team around him. I would have moved Dragic, I think. he he He's good, but I'm not sure he's... I'm not sure he's a championship point guard, personally, because he's a guy who needs to control the whole offence. And I think unless yeah. you're surrounding him with elite shooters, I'm not sure he can do it. And I think a lot of teams need... I mean, my team needs a point guard. You know, there, there's so many teams that do. The Pelicans could do with another one. Uh, the Sacramento Kings, there's teams who just need them. Um, so I'm interested to see what they do now, because supposedly they're buyers now, which I, I don't buy, no pun intended. I don't, I don't see why Pat Riley would like go after Wilson Chandler, because there's better in free agency than Wilson Chandler. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't see them pushing for any trades to try and improve the roster before the free agency. And then I think when free agency hits, they are going to go all out for as many big names as possible. Um, but on the subject of trades, and again sticking with the Eastern Conference, you'll notice the theme today. Uh, we should move over to Detroit, where there are rumours flying around that not just Reggie Jackson, but also Andre Drummond are on the trading block. Yeah, I, I, it doesn't surprise me this because I remember I was flicking through my feed in the morning before I was going into a lecture and I started laughing because Stan Van Gundy, the players had had a players-only meeting and someone asked Van Gundy about it he went, who the hell gives a shit, we're not winning games. So he's <laughs> he's obviously done with this group of players, I think. he's You know what he's like, he's volatile and yeah. he's won a lot of games. I think he thought he could turn Drummond into Dwight Howard. But Dwight Howard is a first ballot Hall of Famer. He was a borderline MVP player for half a decade in Orlando. Drummond is not as good as Howard at anything. Defensively, might be a better rebounder, but who cares about that? You know, it's about scoring the ball and and defending as well. So it doesn't surprise Reggie Jackson, another player, contract year, hasn't done it for me at all. He was trying to move him earlier in the year to Minnesota. Apparently it was centred around Ricky Rubio and Gorgie Dieng, but Fivodeau said no. So, yeah, this doesn't surprise me at all. I think their best player is Caldwell Pope, and Caldwell Pope is a combo guard. He's someone who needs to, I think, run playing an up-tempo offence. If you have Drummond, you can't run an up-tempo offence because he's a guy who likes to take the ball in the post for you know 10 seconds at a time. So I think Van Gundy has looked at this roster. He's gone, KCP, Tobias Harris, they're my two best players. Let's build a new team around these two. And I've, I think it's the right thing to do. Do you think he's going to deviate from his system? Because he seems to have... Essentially what he's tried to build in Detroit is is Orlando 2.0 from the Dwight Howard era, where where they were so successful, in, in my opinion, because they were ahead of the times. And now he's tried to implement the same system, but everyone else in the league has caught up and gone beyond that. Yeah, it's a bit outdated, this system, I think. It's it's essentially a lot of pick and roll, and you've got, a, you know, a big stretch for... Like, it was Ryan Anderson in Orlando, it's John Lewis. Now, they're good players, but there's not enough ball movement when you watch them. It's kind of... It's a lot of standing around. I think they they play bottom five in pace. I think they're bottom of passes per game as well. And that's all right if you've got really good individual players like those OKC teams did when they had Westbrook, Garden and Durant, but they don't really have amazing players. So if you get rid of Drummond, you can run more of sort of a, you know, a Portland-style offense about moving the ball around a bit. 
it it doesn't surprise me that he's he's blowing it up. I think he's he's he was right to stick with it because you can't just blow things up because you because you lose a playoff series. But at the same time, mm-hmm. at the you same, want to see positive steps. Yeah, 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 and for me, I mean, they're still the eighth seed, but they they seem this year to be not at the same level they were last season. What 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 do you think the the market is for Drummond? Where can you can you see him going anywhere? Can you see anyone coming back who they might target? I think he's got to be on a team that that are very that are potent from the perimeter because I think he's got to be he's going to be at his best when he's got a lot of space to work with. Sort of like if you watch Houston, Clint Capella's basically got the freedom of Texas every time Houston are playing a game because people are rushing outside. That's the kind of situation he's got to be in. So I'm not really... That's the problem. There's not a market for him, I don't think. I think maybe the Wizards might have a look at him. Well, if he went to the Wizards, that would be a huge shake-up in Washington. Do you feel that with the move that the Raptors have made, do you feel that there's pressure on Boston and Washington to also throw some chips down and get involved to try and stay in contention uh, certainly Washington I think Boston are more patient because they got that Nets pick Yeah, which is going to land them a franchise changer unless they really mess it up Washington yes I mean supposedly the Abaka, the Abaka movement has set Scott Brooks has gone to his GM and said we need to do something so they're looking at Wilson Chandler amongst other players so I'm not sure Drummond is. I'm not sure Drummond makes them better than Toronto, but that's the kind of situation he's got to go into. Someone with a good backcourt. I'm. I'm just looking down the NBA team. There's. There's really not a market for him. Maybe Dallas, because they, you know, they went after DeAndre a few years ago. But, but Dallas are playing quite well. Why would they, you know, mix that up? It, it's and, a and similarly, who would if Detroit are looking to improve? You know, you're not going to give Drummond up for. You know, below market value, are you? You're going to want more back. Who who would Dallas have to? to me, it's difficult to say. I mean, we keep hearing like Demarcus Cousins rumors, but the first thing that went through my head is maybe this is a Cousins play, and not a straight up swap, but a you know get Cousins for uh, a pick maybe, or or you know a couple of of players and Drummond. I could potentially see that, but I think they would have to give it. Detroit would have to give up a lot. You're talking Drummond, probably Stanley Johnson, KCP would probably be included as well. I think because you know, Cousins is a oh, he's the best centre in the league, whereas Drummond is Drummond's good, but he's limited. So I think you're right that that's a potential landing spot. But that's the thing. Drummond's I think he's on twenty two million dollars a year, and that's a Big contract to take on. Yeah, agreed. And uh, did he, he did he resign recently? It was, it's not too long ago, and he's he'll he'll be on money for a time because he's quite young. So he's yeah he signed through to twenty twenty one, and he's on twenty two, and it goes up incrementally twenty two, twenty three, twenty five, twenty seven, twenty eight. So there there is a lot of money locked into Drummond straight away, and if he's not going to be your franchise player, that is a lot of money. Yeah, and that's the the thing I the thing I'm concerned about. He's not a very smooth player, so I'm looking at the Lakers. I don't think he'd fit what Luke Walton wants to do down there. You know, Luke Walton wants to run an up tempo offense, a lot of pick and roll drives to the basket and three pointers. 
I'm not sure Drummond fits that really. It, it's really difficult finding a landing spot because Cousins, you can put Cousins anywhere because Cousins can play up tempo or low tempo. But Drummond, you, you kind of have to build a system around him. And I'm not sure. I mean, the reason you pay big players is because you're going to build around them. So you can't have a $22 million player and use him like Houston used Capella because. You, you for Capella, you pay less money than you do to Drummond. If that makes sense. Yeah, so, no, I absolutely agree. And it, it's it's kind of weird to me then that that the Pistons are even sort of floating this idea around because yeah, they're they're not having as good a year as 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 they were um, last year. But they this is the franchise player that they've invested in. This is the, the first year of his five year contract, and they're already ready to. To jack it in, it's weird. It's, it just strikes me as a little bit maybe premature because they're not that far. You know, they aren't as good as last year, but they're not far off the pace. And yet, it's enough for them to go. You know what? The guy we just said we're going to build our team around. Let's get rid of him. Let's re- hit reset. It, stri- it strikes me as a very. Uh, just, what's the word I'm looking for? Just, just hasty. not the reaction. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a, to me, it's a bit hasty. <laughs> It's, I mean, maybe Van Gundy's is just looking at him and going, "Yeah, this guy's no good." But then again, he's the GM, so why did he pay him? <laughs> you know, because that's that's what that's what concerns me. Because Van Gundy's like Fibdo, he's got a lot of power. So if there's if there are problems at Minnesota or Detroit, all the blame goes on one man because he's got both roles. So yeah. Van Gundy has got to take blame for this because if he doesn't rate him. Why did he sign him to a five-year, you know, multi-hundred-million-dollar contract? Yes, yeah, it's, it's a good point. I mean, he, <laughs> he built this roster and he coaches it. I like Van Gundy. I think he's brilliant. I think he's a good coach, funny guy as well. I like all this political stuff. Um, but this is this is a tough situation. He's kind of he's a point guard whisperer. That's always been his reputation. You know, he did it with Jermaine Nelson back in the day. But Jackson has dove off. I mean, maybe the players are kind of fed up of him. He's quite a... If you watch Detroit, I mean, all you can hear is him shouting. Yeah. Maybe maybe the, this young team isn't respond to it. Because in Orlando, he had quite... Outside of that, he had quite an old team. You know, he had Turkaloo. Um, they had Rashad Lewis, didn't they, for a <laughs> bit as well? Yep, good old Rashad. They had a lot of old guys, so and they're happy to be shouted at, but... Someone like Stanley Johnson, does he want big Stan Van Gundy shouting at him? No, he probably wants someone like, you know, Luke Walton or David Fisdale, who's a bit more of a arm round the shoulder type guy. So maybe this just isn't a great matchup. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a fair point. Um, I don't I don't have much more to say on the Pistons to be <laughs> to be honest. I might be pistoned out, but I think you've got a couple of questions from uh, from Twitter for us. Yes, I have. Uh, one of them was. Well, actually, it's discussion. I think this was a question. It was, who's going to replace Kevin Love? Uh, in, in the All-Star game, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, good question. Uh, when Al and I did a, a pod a couple of weeks ago, when we talked about All-Star snubs, we came up with a, a number of uh, Eastern Conference snubs. So I'll just I'll just read them out and we can debate them. Um, so there was Embiid, but obviously he's out. So scratch that one. There's Dwayne Wade, Carmelo Anthony... Al Horford, Bradley Beal, 
the aforementioned Andre Drummond, Kristaps Porzingis, Hassan Whiteside, Goran Dragic, Jabari Parker, who's uh, done his left uh, ACL again, so he's not in, um, and Dwight Howard. Any any names jump out at you? I think Bradley Beal should go in. I think he's been disgustingly good this year. Um, a lot of people are saying it should be a four, but why? It should be the best players. I mean, obviously, you don't want to have 13 guards in the All-Star game because that would be painful for rebounding, but Bradley Beal's been the best of those players for me, um, and that's what it should be about. I think he's he's an outstanding shooter, and he, he's improved his everything else in this game. Scott Brooks is a good player developer, and I think he belongs in the All-Star game. Yeah, I'd agree Bradley Beal should be up there. If if it's not him, uh, I think it should be Porzingis. I, I think if there's a Nick that's going to go, it should be him over Carmelo. I uh, don't think Dwayne Wade has done enough to be there. He's out injured anyway, I think, at the minute. Um, we mentioned Drummond and Whiteside. I don't think they're there yet. Dragic, as well as he's been playing, is, is not doing it for me. Uh, so I think, I think Beal's a fair shout, and if not, I'd like to sit be Porzingis. I can see there being some kind of, um, just because of New York's market size, being some kind of pool there for it to be Paul Zingas over Beal, but who knows? It's uh, be interesting. I wonder when they're going to announce it, actually. It must be the next couple of days. It'll have to be a quick decision, because otherwise people will be going on vacation. Yes, yeah, yeah. and well, Silver, I think, has got, you know, the full the full power over it. So, be as sure he picks... Um, I think this is Ross's predictions. He said the West will win the All-Star game. Do you agree with that one? Um, <laughs> I don't... I, it's it's so difficult to predict. Whoever plays slightly more no defence will probably win. <laughs> I, th- I think the West will win. I, you look at the, I'm looking at... I can't believe I'm analysing the All-Star game, but I'm looking at the Eastern starters. There's there's no three-point shooting in there because it's Kyrie, DeRozan, LeBron, Giannis, Butler. So, yeah, Butler's a good shooter. So it's just going to be hero ball from the East, which is why I don't watch the All-Star game because it's not my kind of thing. Yeah, I think, no. the West, I think the West will comfortably win that one. I'll catch the highlights. What I'm really intrigued to see is with Kerr coaching it and with all the cupcake uh, OKC Warriors <laughs> back and forth. I really want to see him put out Westbrook with the four Warriors <laughs> and then just freeze him out. <laughs> I think that would be brilliant. But uh, that I don't, I, you know, it won't happen, but uh, it just makes me chuckle just the thought of it. Uh, Ross has always predicted that Derek Jones Jr. will win the dunk contest. That's, that's my pick too. I, I think... Coming up with this tagline for him, the greatest dunk you've never heard of. Man, he can fly. Some of his dunks, I've been watching videos of him. Uh, I think he's gonna. it's going to be him and Aaron Gordon in the final. If Aaron Gordon performs like he did last year, we're in, we're in for a treat. Uh, but I think the other two are uh, Glenn Robinson the third, who I'm, I'm not that high on as a dunker, and DeAndre Jordan, who unless there's they're putting like three defenders around him and he's getting lobs from Chris Paul... Uh, who's also injured <laughs> uh, then I, I can't see him winning anything he's just an in-game dunker to me he, he's not going to be one of these guys who starts going over a uh, what do they call them hoverboards with a mascot on them well that's the thing he's, he's just a power dunker he's not going to yeah. you know he can't jump and he can't jump over a mascot or anything you know so yeah I'm not sure why they've got him um, next prediction he's predict Clay will win the three point contest 
<laughs> I'm not even sure what the three-point contest lineup is. I haven't I haven't it's, checked that. We've got Eric. My pick is Wes Matthews because I think he's the best shooter outside the Splash Bros. Then you've got Kyle Lowry, Kyrie Irving, Eric Gordon, CJ McCollum, Kemba Walker, and then Nick Swaggy P. Young is in there as well. Oh, wow. I really want him to just turn around and wave after every single uh, <laughs> shot attempt he takes, just like that meme. Oh, GIF rather. Um, that would be quite cool. Uh, I think Clay's a good shout. I think CJ is an underrated three point shooter. Um, I, but it's it's a crapshoot. So you know, <laughs> it's it's just going to be who turn like that's all it is. Yeah, I mean, last year I, heard, I haven't heard much this year about it. But last year, uh, JJ Redick had um, rented a court in Toronto, and was literally the days before he he had lined up ball racks around uh, around the, the three point line and was actually practicing going around and, and ripping the ball off the racks because apparently that you know. You need that's something you need to practice. But to me, I was just like, really? You, you're? I thought you're just gonna, you know, you guys are that good at shooters. You're just gonna rock up, pick a ball up, and 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 shoot. But so you know, whoever's been re- rehearsing for it the best is probably gonna win it. And I have no idea who that is. Yep, I'm. I am with you there. It, it's just luck as well. I mean, Reddick practiced last week. was rubbish in the actual thing. I think it was him who ended up really flunking the first round. So yeah. Uh, what are we on next? Skills challenge. Who's going to win that one? Who's going to win it? Oh, okay. That's Ross, a good one. Ross has gone with Isaiah Thomas, which is probably my pick as well. Yeah, it li- it likely is. Um, they've announced the the replacements for Joel Embiid as well. It's going to be uh, Nikola Jokic uh, and Alex Abrinas uh, of the Thunder. Um, <laughs> be interesting to see what Jokic can do because he is uh, the flavour of the month at the minute it seems like an incredible passer can shoot from the outside it'll be interesting to see how he does because I think Cat won it last year didn't he he? so so we had a big man win it I don't think that Jokic has Cat's speed and athleticism but I like seeing big guys win that kind of thing It, it just shows that they're not just lumbering giants yeah I'm with you there I've I'm going to go with John Wall. I love that guy. I hope he wins it. He's rapid. He's probably the fastest guy on that court. He he, he does it most years, doesn't he? I've seen him in it a few times. Uh, Yeah, I think think he might have been injured, but he has done it before. Yeah, Cousins. I think Towns beat Cousins in the final last year. Actually, no, he beat a guard. I remember it because it was really weird. That, that would be quite surreal to watch. I can't remember who he beat, but it just shows you how important the skills challenge is in the grand scheme of things. <laughs> yes. Um, last question is from Ross, our resident Suns fan. Um, and I'm just getting it now. It's it's about signings. Yeah, it said, with the Raps tooling up for the postseason push with backer, what other playoff teams will be looking to solidify and trade for who? So I think he's essentially asking... Have you got any trade scenarios for other playoff teams? Yeah, well, we we mentioned a couple earlier. I definitely think that that the the Wizards and uh, the Celtics are going to be on on the phone a lot, trying to get some deals done to try and stay in contention because it does seem like the Raptors have just sort of pushed themselves slightly ahead in that race. Um, I don't think the Hawks will do anything. You know, what? I'm surprised the Hawks are back up where they were. I, I, it's it's very weird that they got rid of Corver and all of a sudden started climbing the rankings. Um, Good coach. 
Yeah, yeah, true. Um, I can't see anyone else really making moves in the think, East, and I wouldn't I see the, the pace, point of it. I think the Pacers might have a little look around. Because the problem is with the Pacers, they're good at home, they're terrible on the road, so maybe they need to add some rebounding or some some kind of defense. But it, they're limited. I mean, the only thing Celtics can do is they could go after Jimmy Butler, but then they're parting with that Nets pick. So, and they yeah, don't want to do that's that. that's a big thing for them. They, they've got to make a decision whether to to get rid of that or uh you know get rid of, get rid of that and and improve this team or stick with what they've got and and basically resign themselves to to not being the Eastern Conference champions. Uh paces you might have just discovered a market for Drummond but I'm not sure they've got the assets to to give up and get him back. In the in the west it's quite difficult because the Clippers have been so injured that I, I don't think they've got any flexibility to make moves. The Spurs never make a move. The Rockets. Mm. If, if the Rockets go after someone, they'd go after like a wing, so yeah. like Wilson another, Chandler another, or Gallinari. Yeah, the, there was maybe. talk of Chandler going there. They're definitely always open to adding anyone else who's a, a dead eye from downtown. But well, um, we know we know what they're going to do in the postseason. It's going to be fun to watch. I'm um, I'm looking at. I think the Pelicans are going to make a stupid move because Del Demps is their GM. He's fighting for his job, and desperate GMs make desperate moves. So I could see him doing something dumb. Timberwolves won't do anything. Dallas never make moves. Yeah, I I don't think it's going to be a very exciting trade. Though. I think it would have been if the Hawks had been getting rid of Millsap because someone would have gone for him. Yeah, I, I, half of me thinks he's still available. They've just said he's not to try and bump his price up a bit. I th- I, I think there might be a, a move or two left, but I think it's going to come from the East. I think I think that um, Washington and Boston need to respond to the Toronto move, and uh, other than that, the West, the West seems quite content to to let think. Well, the top four in the West. I'm only I'm only looking at the top four seeds at the minute. Um, the top four in the West seem pretty content with with the situation as it is. So is that that's all the questions then? Is it? It is indeed. Yep. Epic. Um, okay. If you like the show, uh, give us some feedback. You can subscribe on iTunes and rate us there as well um, if you want to follow us on Twitter and you don't already and the same if on Facebook you can find us on both sites at Double Clutch UK check out the website we have articles going up pretty frequently at the minute which is always good and I'm sure you'll all be excited for All-Star Weekend coming up if you want to get some All-Star gear you should check out our friends at Hardwood Ventures who have had a load of new stuff come in from stance socks to t-shirts you name it they've got it they always do uh so check them out uh we'll be back probably well we're gonna do one next yeah we're gonna have to recap all star aren't we it's gonna be fun because there's gonna be some dunk contests so we'll be back with you next week even though there's no more games really for a for a whole week a whole week of nba games gone oh it's hard times anyway we'll be back next week with another pod uh i've been mike miller he's been joe hall thanks for listening